forgiveness, the kindness of the Savior, the hope of nations. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. So take me as you find me, all my fears and failures. Fill my life again. I give my life to follow everything I believe in. Now I surrender. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, heroes and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever, author of salvation, heroes and conquered the grave, Jesus conquered the grave, Savior, He can move the mountains, my God is mighty to save, He is mighty to save forever, author of salvation, heroes and conquered the grave, Jesus conquered the grave. Salvation belongs to our God, who saved upon the throne and unto the Lamb be praise and glory wisdom and thanks honor and power and strength be to our going to start off this morning with singing the, the Magnificat. Now, this is a song we haven't sung in a while. In fact, it was about last year that we sang this as people are coming in. This is one of those songs that kind of stacks. And so we'll start with, uh, with just the lady singing. Let's sing. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God. My Savior, my soul. Oh, my spirit joy. 
Welcome to the second service at Preston Crest. We're so glad to have you here with us today. I'd invite our Preston Crest members to please uh, text check-in and uh, make us aware of your attendance and participation. As we approach the throne of our Father today, let's uh, look at the words in Psalms 33, 20 through 21. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning as your chosen people, grateful to call you our Father. May we love one another as you love us and be known as your disciples. Father, help us to forgive as you have forgiven us. Father, we're grateful for the abundance that we enjoy, and please help us to look for ways to be generous in giving to those who are less fortunate. May we practice hospitality and welcome, and may we constantly look for ways to reach out and build relationships with all of your children. Father, we pray for peace and truth that we can share the joy that comes from being in your light and in these times of unrest and strife, please keep our focus on and our purpose that is to love you with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Most of all, Father, we pray for unity and restoration, and may we comfort one another, agree with one another in Christ, and live in peace. And we ask this in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. All right, church, let's stand and let's, uh, let's uh, offer our voices in worship and praise this morning. Sing to the King who is coming to reign. Glory to Jesus, the Lamb that was slain. Life and salvation is Sing now with voices raised to 
sing one more song as we enter into our time of communion this morning, and then Hunter Renfro is going to come and lead us this morning around the bread and around the cup. By Christ's I'll be reading from Matthew. And while they were eating, Jesus took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many of the forgiveness of sins. I think we've, we've all heard that so many times um, when we're getting ready to take communion together. Um, and I hope it, it doesn't lose its, its power there. Because um, when I think about this, uh, and sometimes you know, I forget about this, he's, he's, Jesus is doing this with his disciples. He's doing it with other people. This isn't a time alone here. He's breaking bread and, and doing this with his disciples. Um, and I think it's really powerful and really awesome that we get to take communion together in this room. Uh, it's not something we're doing by ourselves. We're all doing this together. Um, one of the things I always think about when I'm, when I'm thinking of communion is um, about 10 years ago when I was in college, I actually was um, able to go to Switzerland for a summer and, and help with a church there. Um, it was a little small house church, um, and they actually met in the evening on Sundays, um, which started at um, about 6 o'clock um, there in Switzerland, which is the exact time right now. It's 556 right there right now. So they're just about to start worship too. And they're about to take communion at the same time as, as we are taking communion together. So um, it's, it's pretty incredible that believers around the world are all taking communion together today. Um, and they're remembering Jesus and, and what he did for us. Um, let's pray. Dear God, we're, we're so thankful for you. We're so thankful for you sending your son. God, we're so thankful for um, the sacrifice that he made, God. Um, God, we're also just incredibly thankful for the time we can um, come together on Sundays and, and remember you and, and take this communion together, God. In Jesus' name, amen.
let's, let's pray for the juice. God, again, we come to you thankful, um, thankful for, for the blood of Jesus and the forgiveness of our sins, God. God, we know there's um, so many times we fall short and so many times that we, we need forgiveness from you, God. And we're thankful for um, Jesus' blood and um, forgiving us of our sins, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, welcome to Preston Crest. So glad that you're here to worship the Lord with us today. If you would like to give this morning, you can do that or be part of our sprint to the finish as we finish the year strong financially. You can be part of that. There's a box out in the foyer. You can drop a check or some money in or use the website, click the give button or use church teams as we partner with God in sharing the good news here in our city. Let's pray together. God, that really is what we are trying to be all about. We are your servants, and we are humbled, and we are excited that you invite us to partner with you in ministry. Right now, I pray for the small groups ministry of this church that you have used for years to build relationships between brothers and sisters here to help us to grow deeper together as we walk through life as disciples of Jesus. I pray that you'll bless these groups Bless the leaders of these groups and continue to grow this ministry so that we can do a better job of taking care of each other, encourage each other, pray over each other, and learn about you together. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. For several decades, the small group ministry has been extremely important to this church. Fellowship meals, sharing personal concerns, joys, and needs, a place of communal prayer, the study of God's Word. In fact, a practical discussion of each week's Sunday morning sermon is written and made available to all groups. Our group members know each other and take care of each other. They share their time, their energy, and they share each other's very lives. There are groups for all stages of life, from our youth ministry to single adults, to all the stages of marriage and family and empty nest. And they are led by a large company of amazing small group leaders who would love to answer all your questions and tell you all about their group. And you can find a list of the groups on our website and in our small group brochure in the foyer. We encourage you to join a group and to begin to discover the deeper levels of fellowship that you will find there. All right, church, let's stand. We're going to send kids on up to Children's Church. And uh, we're going to go ahead and raise the house lights up as well as we're getting ready for our, our teaching time with Gordon in just a moment. You call me out on the waters, the great
good to be together. It's a good season of the year. I love these songs that we're singing. I love thinking about uh, what this time of year means. Uh, I'm grateful to Jacob today for preaching last week. He closed up our uh, Teach Us to Pray series. Uh, Lead Us Not Into Temptation was the theme last week, which somehow seemed oddly appropriate as I'm walking in and out of my parents' home in Missouri and passing the pecan pie, pumpkin pie, apple pie, and I'm thinking maybe an answer to that prayer, uh, Lita's not, is that she did not pull the ginger snaps out of the freezer. She makes these homemade ginger snaps that are unbelievable. Uh, But yeah, all kinds of temptations, and we pray that God will deliver us from those. Um, uh, So I want to tell you about something just real quick, 30 seconds of your time. Put a pin in this, but we're going to do a read through the Bible in a year deal next year, meaning if you choose to accept, the elders would love for you to join us in just reading through the entire Bible. And we're going to use, uh, you can use whatever you want, but we're recommending this Bible storyline, which is on the YouVersion app. Tremendous stuff. Not only will it take you through all the text of the Bible, but if you wish, you can click on some videos. Uh, This is the guy who does these really cool animated uh, teachings about books of the Bible or theology and stuff kind of to um, supplement your reading of, the, of God's Word. So join us for that. I just want to say that so you can get ready for that as you think about uh, the year 2022, which is right about here. So um, Isla, one of our favorite shows has been for the past few years, the show Chopped, which is on the Food Network. Anybody watch the show Chopped? Yeah, a lot of you guys. It's a great competition show. It's a great cooking show. It's, uh, the idea is fairly simple, which is we're going to get four legit professional chefs, and they're going to compete with the ingredients that we, the judges, give them, and in the end, we'll have one chopped champion. It's really interesting, but the twist, if you watched it, is you know the twist are the ingredients that the judges give each chef in a basket, okay? And they are weird, They are bizarre, and the shocking thing Isla and I always wonder at the end of it is, like, how could anyone possibly make either an app, an entree, or a dessert using these ingredients, but somehow one or two of them managed to pull it off? Uh, Some of the ingredients over the years, uh, chicken feet, I've actually had chicken feet before, terrible, don't want to do that again. Uh, They've had coagulated pig's blood. How many of you had that in your Thanksgiving spread last week? Coagulated pig's blood. They have had pickled pig's lips. Uh, They have had reindeer pate. They have had eyeballs, I assume, from a a cow. Uh, All sorts of stuff. And you're like, how are they going to make an entree out of this? And it is not, when one of those entrees is delicious and amazing, it is not a tribute to the quality ingredients. It's not like, wow, that was Kobe beef. I mean, how could you imagine? No, it is a tribute to the skill and creativity and genius, frankly, of some of those chefs. And I think it's relevant to our story today as we begin talking about Advent, which just means the arrival or the expectation. That's this season of the year. As we think about that, I think it has a lot to do with the Christmas story. Today we're going to talk in Luke chapter 1 about Mary. And she is a great example of how God takes some very interesting (laughs) ingredients in a person's life And he, the master chef, can make amazing things happen with those kinds of ingredients. So, um, let's start out here with, on Mary, one of the first bits of information that we learn from Luke as he tells us about her. He tells us in Luke chapter 1, verse 46, that Mary hails from the town of Nazareth. The town of Nazareth. Um, Now, we have romanticized and and created all of these amazing uh, foods and music and art about the Christmas story. I don't want you to romanticize Nazareth, okay? Yeah, Jesus born in Bethlehem, but Mary and Joseph are from Nazareth. Nazareth, 
was the Flint, Michigan of the ancient world, all right? If you're from Flint, Michigan, I'm sorry, but, mm, you know, you don't plan your vacation to Flint, Michigan, right? TripAdvisor, it's all one star up there, okay? You, you don't plan your retirement. Let's, let's retire to Flint. You don't do that. And Nazareth was that kind of town, forgotten place, backwater place. In fact, we get plenty of information from another chapter one, John chapter one, when word of Jesus at one point is spreading around and somebody comes to Nathaniel, this guy, and says, Nathaniel, we think we found the Messiah. We think we have found the one who Israel has been waiting for for centuries. Moses talked about him. The prophets wrote about him. Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathanael's answer in John chapter 1 verse 46 is, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? Or I love this one. The message nails this. I mean, gets the spirit of his reply. Nazareth, you've got to be kidding I mean, is this a joke? The Savior of the world is coming from Nazareth? No, no, no. Let's, let's, let's think about this again. I mean, Jerusalem would make sense, right? Center of all things Jewish. Jer Rome would make sense. The capital of the world at that point, essentially. Uh, Athens would make sense. The center of, of philosophy and study. But not Nazareth. You've got to be kidding, right? And then Mary, so she's from Nazareth. She's a teenage girl. She is unmarried. Her fiancé is not all that impressive either. Joseph is like a local carpenter. I mean, we got all these details in this basket of ingredients that God is going to use. And if you can forget all the nostalgia and all that we know after the fact, if you were just to look at that objectively, you would say, nah, nah. This is not the collection of ingredients for the save the world recipe right here. This is something else. And in fact, um, we know in our lives today, for the most part, there are plenty of exceptions, but for the most part, the person that does very well, that makes a name for themselves, is the person that starts out with maybe some premium ingredients. I mean, that's, that's at least the odds are so much higher if you're born into money, if you're born with an incredible musical gift or mathematical gift, or if you're born just kind of in the right place at the right time, or if you early on get into an Ivy League school, those are the ingredients to cook up something really special. But if you're born in a slum in Mumbai or favela in Rio, the odds are so much lower. Or if you're in Nazareth, yeah, you got to be kidding. I mean, you got to be kidding. And there she is. And it is just a reminder at the beginning of Mary's story how God prefers to operate. The normal way God does things is he chooses the things that you go, uh-uh. He chooses the things that you would never add into your recipe for greatness. And it is a testimony to his power and creativity and sovereignty that he does amazing things through lives like that of Mary. And this is the way he operates. Think about it. Uh, Abraham is called when he is 75? Well, he's too old. Um, think about it. I mean, Moses was a fugitive on the run, and according to Moses, a poor public speaker. You think about someone like Gideon, he's afraid. Rahab, she's a prostitute. Elijah, depression. Um, Jonah is running from God. Job is bankrupt. Uh, Paul is handicapped or has some sort of physical malady, a thorn in the flesh. Mar uh, Martha struggles with anxiety. And these are exactly the kinds of people that God prefers to use to highlight his power. And his glory. So she is, well, her resume from a human perspective is not impressive. But below the surface, God saw something in her. Something special, something unique. She was exactly, God knew, the kind of person through whom he could do amazing things. Change the history of the world, in fact. And so we have to be careful here because I really do this morning 
I want us to talk about what that was. I want us to talk about what made Mary so special, but I do not want us to forget Mary is, strangely enough, Mary is not the star of Mary's story. The Trinity, the Father, the Son in her womb, the Holy Spirit, she's part of their story. She's part of their story, and that's what truly makes her remarkable. More than anything, Mary wanted her life to be of use to God. She wanted to be written into God's story, not add God as a supporting cast member of her story. So Luke chapter 1, we find in verse 26 something about the season of openness in Mary's Life. God dispatches the angel Gabriel to, you've got to be kidding, <laughs> to Nazareth. He sends Gabriel to Nazareth, and, and there's a message that this angel has to give to Mary, and this message was pretty surprising. Luke chapter 1, verse 28, Mary, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Favored? Me? God is with me. I mean, most folks would have looked at her life and thought, that is a life abandoned by God. First of all, she lives in Nazareth, right? Little teenage girl in Nazareth, a nobody, poor and Luke captures this, her actual reaction to these words from heaven. Well, here we got it. Luke says, verse 29, she was confused and disturbed and head scratch. She was trying to figure out what the angel could mean. Favored? God is with me? Yeah. Yeah. And for the record, I think this is just important. I think it's important this morning. Stop right here. This may be the most important thing we talk about this morning. Stop right here and just look at this story. Think about this. You can be right in the center of God's will for your life. You can be exactly where the Holy Spirit wants you to be and be confused and disturbed at that exact moment, right? I think that's important to remember. You may be where God wants you to be, and you may find it a little confusing, a little disturbing. Well, Gabriel said to her, verse 31, you are going to give birth to a son. He will be the son of the Most High. He will be the son of God, and you will name him Jesus. Gabriel told her in verse 33 that her son would be a king a king from the lineage of David. But your son's reign will never end. She said, and this is an honest reaction there in Luke 1, I'm a virgin, how can this happen? I'm a virgin, how am I going to give birth here? And he said in verse 37, the Holy Spirit will make this happen. And famously, the angel told her, nothing is impossible with God. When God takes ingredients, he can make anything happen with those if someone's heart is yielded to him. So what made her special? It's that. Verse 38, she responded to the angel. She responded to this message from God. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. I want you to think about this for a second. She responded. She responded to God. You respond to God. You have. You are right now. I mean, we're hearing the word of the Lord. We're gathering. You are responding to God right now. You will respond to God tomorrow and the next day. We all respond to God. Mary's response was, I'm the Lord's servant. Let your will be done in my life. 
I want to be joined with your work. I want to find my part in your story, God. So we have responded. We are currently responding. We will respond. And sometimes people respond, nah, I'm good. (laughs) My life is going great right now. I don't need you, God, to come in and commandeer the direction of my life. Or sometimes people respond, you know, um, not now. I know what you want me to do, Lord, or I know what you want me to stop doing. Mm, The timing's not good. So I'm saying yes, but let's put a pin in that. Yes, but not right now. And sometimes those are our responses that people make to God or the Word of God. And I hear this as a minister I have for years and years. This question gets asked, why isn't God working in my life? I see God working in her life. I see tangible, amazing ways God is working in his life or in that family. Why isn't God working in my life? And honestly, most of the time, I think the answer is another question. Well, how do you respond to God? What is your custom? What is your habit when God directs you? Are you one of these, yeah, I'm good, or not right now, God? And I think you begin to find out why you're not experiencing the move of God in your life when you ask those hard questions. Mary was confronted with a, with a completely outrageous, preposterous plan. Virgin girl gives birth to son of God. And she said, count me in. Yes. And she had to know, you know, we glamorize this, we make it sweet and beautiful and melodies and cookies are baking in the oven, it's Christmas time of year, but let's talk about the original Christmas, the real thing here. This was going to be really hard, and she knew it. She knew it. Unwed pregnant girls in her town were not exactly VIPs. And this hasn't changed in 2,000 years. An engaged woman becomes pregnant with somebody else's baby, not her fiancé's. That doesn't end well. That doesn't go well. And so for Mary to say yes to God meant that she would be seen betrothed Jewish girl in her community as an adulteress. It meant that she would be moving herself under the crosshairs of humiliation and hostility from others so that she could say yes to God. She would be doing that for the foreseeable future. And again, how did she respond? I'm the Lord's servant. Let what you have said come true in my life. That's what I want. Now, it is easy to be concerned with what the coworkers say or think. It is easy to care a lot about what your neighbors say or think or your friend group, what they say or think. And it is easy to hold so tightly to those opinions, to those perspectives that we don't seek the approval of the only one who matters. I'm not saying Mary didn't care. I'm not saying it didn't bother her what the gossip was in town. I'm not saying it didn't matter to her that, that Joseph might have, a, we know that he did have a reaction and he had to have his own visit from God in a, in a dream. I mean, we know that it was tough for her, but she chose to listen to God and yield to God. So again, when I'm asking, okay, God, why aren't you working in my life? I think he's saying, why haven't you been listening to me? Why does every other opinion matter more than mine? God is saying to you, why? Here, 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 here. Have I been outvoted? 
I want to work in your life. And I can work in brokenness. I can work in folks from Nazareth. I can work with some pretty bizarre ingredients. If you will welcome me in and listen to me and declare yourself to be my servant. She has this conversation. We begin to see what's special about Mary uh, in this story. Shortly after this, she has an older cousin named Elizabeth. She goes to visit Elizabeth, and Elizabeth looks at Mary and calls out what is so special about Mary. Luke 1.45, you, Mary, you are blessed. Why? Because you believed. You believed that the Lord would do what he said. By the way, um, each of us has a different level of belief. Each of us has a different amount of faith. That is okay. There are brand new believers at Preston Crest. There are people that have been walking this journey. for. There are people right now among us who are going through a season of testing. Your faith is being tested. But I want you to know this because her son Jesus is going to tell us years later that you don't need to have all that much faith in order for God to do amazing things with your life. Jesus said, disciples, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, but you believe, God can move mountains with that. Scripture makes it so clear. I don't think this is going to surprise anyone this morning that faith, this belief, is a key ingredient that God wants to use Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 tells us this, without faith, it's what? It's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. If you would read that with me, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So, Mary believed. <laughs> I mean, she believed that God could use her and would use her. And that was kind of an invisible ingredient that few others saw, but it's one that God saw. And it changed the history of the world. It changed the history of my life, of your life, that she believed and that she said yes and our Savior came through her. What made her special is what made Sarah and Abraham special. They believed. It's what made David special. He believed. It's what made Esther special. They, she had faith in God. So what about you? As we move into this season of expectation, as we move into this season of Advent, the arrival of Jesus is something we anticipate. It's something we look forward to, that we remember. Will we, like Mary, believe in God? Will we make God, rather than making him a part of our supporting cast, bring him into our story, will we see, say yes to being part of his story, which is exactly what Mary did? Will we join in the move of God? Will we listen to him above all others? And maybe this morning, quite frankly, it means repenting. Um, that word we talked about other, uh, earlier is respond. Maybe repentance is basically saying, I have not been responding well to you, God. I have been turning away from what I want. I know you want me to do or what I know you want me to stop doing. And I'm not going to turn away from your voice anymore. I'm your servant. Let your will be done in my life. And so you repent and you bring yourself back into alignment with your creator, with the master chef who wants to do something amazing with your life. And maybe this morning it's simply yielding to Jesus, proclaiming him, to be your Lord and your Savior, being baptized in the name of Jesus so that all of your sins can be forgiven. If this morning you need the prayers of this church, I would love to pray for you. One of our elders will be down here to pray. Randy will be here to pray with you. Pray with somebody around you. 
basically this. Respond. Respond to God. Say yes to him and his plans for your life. Let's do that as we stand together and worship. As the mountains surround Thank you for that uh, outstanding message today. I just want to make one reminder at tonight at 6 p.m., our children's Christmas program will be underway. So, super Christmas, and look forward to seeing you there and uh, that outstanding program that'll be put together. As we uh, finish our time together today, please read with me from Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your straight your paths. And the church said, Amen. Amen.